We are super excited about everything that we are witnessing today, not because it's a production, friends, but it's because it's a message, a message that God intended for our lives, for all of us. You know, when it comes to Christmas, um, this time of year holds a special meaning for many of us, right? For some of us, it's all about the family, right? It's, and it's all right. Come on, give it up for family. It's, it's okay. You can celebrate family, right? For some of us, it's about Christmas cheer. Come on, we can give it up, right? It's about the act of benevolence, right? And for some of us, can we just be honest? It's about the food. It is absolutely the food. It's the pasteles. It's the pernil. Oh, okay, I'm in the wrong church. All right. Well, I can tell you that, that that's a part of it for me, right? But the primary reason for most to be excited about Christmas, the reason why it holds special meaning for most is because of the gifts. The gifts. And who doesn't like gifts? Come on, if you, if you like gifts, come on, give it up. Right? You young adults, you, you, you teenagers looking at your parents going, yes, I like gifts. Gifts, mom, gifts, dad, right? Nothing wrong with gifts, but I'll tell you why we really appreciate gifts, why we look forward to gifts. It's because of what they communicate. They connote love. They, they communicate that I'm loved. They communicate thoughtfulness. They communicate care, right? How about this one? They communicate that we're ascribing value and worth to someone. And so the receiving of a gift says something to us. Now, for some of you, 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 you may be like me in years past, right, where you ever been there where somebody says, I got you a gift, and you, you're like, oh, my God, this is such a great gift. I have yours, too, but I forgot it, and you're lying. <laughs> right? Some of my Hispanics, you know what I'm talking about. But this, this transcends all ethnicities. We've all done it at some point, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. You see, God doesn't give that way. God gives in a different way, and he communicates something to us with this gift known as Jesus, what he was announcing. We need to consider what the scriptures tell us. And let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Very familiar passage of scripture to many people. Um, and it says, for God so loved who? The world. the world. Go ahead and tell somebody God loves you. Tell two other people that you didn't come with God loves you. They communicate. It, God, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pause right there for a moment. And let's just think about God's word. Let's think about what God might actually be saying to you and I in our own lives at this moment according to this truth. Friends, the reason why God gave Jesus was not for spiritual hula hoops. It wasn't for religion. It wasn't for behavior modification. It wasn't for attendance at a place that we call church. And we forget that the church is not a building, it's a people, right? Hey, guess what? The church showed up. You showed up. You, you are the church. But that wasn't God's intention. According to John 3, 16 and 17, what God wanted to communicate to us when he gave Jesus is, I love you. I love you. You matter to me. You're important to me. 
I would give my very best. I will give my very best for you. And friends, that's a gift that no one can take from us. Because you see, it's that gift, when we understand that truth, that gift keeps giving. Because that gift changes us. It changes our understanding of who we are, of our value. It changes our, our, our understanding of our purposes and plans. It changes the value that we ascribe to ourselves and, and how we even think God sees us. And I believe that there's some of us that we really need to hear this right now in this moment. God says, I see you. God says, I love you. God says, I value you. You matter to God. Come on, give somebody a high five. Let them know you matter to God. And so this gift had nothing to do with right or wrong, good or bad, near or far. It had everything to do with a God who loves us. The scripture tells us that God, that, 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 um, that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still yet sinners, while we were still a mess, he saw a message, a message of hope, a message that declares that he can redeem, he can restore, he can renew, he can revive, he can transform lives. I dare say that each and every one of us is a testament of that, no matter where you are on that journey. And so as we unpack this gift, friends, as we really consider what God was communicating to us by giving Jesus Christ to become a man, to endure the temptations that we endure, to, to live a sinless life and yet die the life of one who sinned. He was communicating how much he loves us. And as we unpack this gift, it gives us the assurance that God did not come to condemn us. Verse 17 of John chapter 3 tells us that he did not send his son into the world to condemn us, to condemn you, to condemn me, to look down upon us. No, instead, the scripture says that he came to save us. See, condemnation kills when you think you're not good enough for God, that kills. That'll kill your faith. That'll kill your hope. That'll kill your aspirations for all that the scriptures declare. And so God is giving us a gift. But I got to ask you a question. If you could give God a gift, what would it be? What would that gift be? Would it be money? Would it be some time? Would it be maybe some good acts? Would it, be, uh, uh, would it be some church attendance? Would it be some tithes and offerings? Whatever. Would it be that? Or could it be that God wants something more? Today in the moments that I have here, I want to share with you a message on the greatest gift of all. The greatest gift of all. What could that gift be? Well, we know that Jesus was a gift to us. But what could that gift be on our behalf from our lives? In the series that we've been in over the last several weeks, we've been focusing on the lives of different people that encountered Jesus at his birth. And what we've been exploring and gleaning from is how this impacted their lives, but not just in the moment, how this impacted their lives for the remainder of their lives. And most importantly, how is that supposed to impact the remainder of our lives? How is that supposed to change us? And so today we're going to look 
at the example of three men that the Bible attests to be wise. These men in Scripture are attested to be wise. And we have to question, what was so wise about them? Was it their experience? Was it their studies? Was it, was it their accomplishments? Or was it something more? And so in Matthew chapter 2, we're not going to read this portion. We're going to bounce around here a little bit. But in Matthew 2, we're introduced to three men that the Scripture says were wise men from the east. And these men came from came to Jerusalem, and they were declaring, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we have come, we have come, we have come to worship him. We've come to worship him. Now, just to give you some context on who these men were, the, the original language bounces between two words that both kind of speak to the same thing. It's the, it's the word magos and it's the word magi. And what it refers to is men who served in royal courts. These were people who were accustomed and had great understanding and, and, and they lived according to a standard of royalty. They served in royal courts. And in serving in these royal courts, especially within the Medo-Persian Empire, they were known to be valuable advisors due to their knowledge and their study of astronomy and science and agriculture and their, 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 their delving into seeking the divine. But by the first century A.D., when all this started taking place, they were broadly known as men who studied sacred writings. And as such, what this tells us is that these men were familiar with the prophecies concerning Jesus. They were, they were familiar with the prophecies that foretold that a king would come and he would transform everything. And so these men rejoiced with anticipation at encountering Jesus. But not everyone responded the same way. Matthew chapter 2 verse 3 tells us that when Herod the king heard this, let's just pause right there for a moment. Herod was a really bad dude, right? Not bad like bad good, like bad like bad bad, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, some of you from the 80s, you know I'm bad, I'm bad, and it meant something good, but that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about a bad guy. This man was appointed by Rome for his ruthlessness. He was ruthless with the people of Israel. He ruled with an iron fist. He crushed uprisings. And so this man was, was in place, and he was troubled, the Scripture tells us, when he heard this message. He was troubled. Why was he troubled? I'll tell you why he was troubled. Because he was king, and now he's hearing that another king is coming into the picture, and that's a problem. Because I want to protect my castle. I want to protect my possessions. I want to protect my authority. I want to protect how I appear before others. So it was a problem to him. But there's something even more troubling here. Listen to what the scripture says. And all Jerusalem, they were troubled with him. They were troubled in the same manner. The word troubled there in the Greek denotes that it was an inner turmoil. It was, it, they, they, they were disquieted within. It, it was complete chaos in their heart. This was a disruption to life and all that they understood. And for the people of Israel, it was a disruption because they were expecting a conquering king to come in, shield, sword, and a massive army, and destroy all the enemies of Israel. 
And instead, he came in the form of a baby. He came in an unexpected manner. Friends, we should be careful about prescribing how we think God's going to show up. We shouldn't attempt to stick God into a box. Look, look around you. Look to your left. Look to your right. Look behind you. Look in front of you. It's very possible that your answer is right next to you. See, God showed up in the form of a man, and he hasn't stopped showing up in the form of people. Yeah. And so this was troubling. And so based upon what we're looking at so far, it would appear that these men were wise because, because of their ability to discern the signs and the times. Right? It would appear that they were wise because of what they knew about Jesus. It would appear that they were wise because they searched for him. But the scriptures actually tell us something different. They reveal something completely different. Matthew 2, verses 10 through 12 tells us that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were excited. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Listen to this. And when they had opened their treasures, their treasures, their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I know what some of us are thinking. Those were the treasures. Actually, they weren't. We're going to see that in a second. And so it goes on to say, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The reason why these men were wise, why the scriptures, the Holy Spirit saw fit to call these men wise, is revealed in the gifts that they laid before Jesus, but more importantly, what those gifts signify to them. The meaning that they held to them. So I'm going to take a quick rabbit trail. Right? Gold in those days was customary for royal visits. You didn't bring gold to just anyone. Gold was reserved for kings. Gold was something that connoted the highest value. It was something that you only presented to royalty. It was a valued commodity in the ancient world. The scriptures give us an example of Queen Sheba coming before Solomon. And all she brought was gold because she admired the wisdom of God in him. So she ascribed value to him. But gold also held significant value in Israel because of its use in the most holy of places, in the temple, in the inner sanctuary. The scriptures tell us in the Old Testament that the walls and everything that was used for worship and even the table and, and the tabernacle, uh, uh, everything was all laid in pure gold. See, so gold was important, but gold was important in the place of atonement. In other words, there was a great value that God placed on what he would do for mankind to forgive our sin. You know what that tells us, friend? Nothing that we do for God makes us right with God. Nothing that we offer God makes us any better, any holier, any more righteous. If we could do that, we would not need Jesus. We would not need a Savior. We could do it all on our own, but we can't. And so in presenting these gifts, these men who were acquainted with ancient prophecy and temple worship were signifying that Jesus 
Jesus was the atoning sacrifice for the world. Can I tell you why that's good news? Because it takes the pressure off of you and me to be good enough for God. Got to tell somebody, stop trying. <laughs> tell somebody else, stop trying. Yeah, like, stop trying. Stop trying to be good enough for God on your own. We can't do it. We cannot. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any of us can. Dun, dun, da, da, da. We could boast. We can't do it. It's all a work of God. Frankincense was also of great value and held great significance. In the ancient East, particularly, its cost precluded it from being used as a typical household refresher. They had Lysol for that back then. No, they didn't. That was a lot funnier in my head, but anyway, we'll move along. No, but instead, the burning of frankincense was closely associated with ceremonial worship of the divine. And as with gold, frankincense held a holy significance in the inner sanctuary. You see, Exodus 30 details that it was to, it was to be consecrated as pure and holy and only to be burned as a sweet-smelling aroma of worship before the Lord. And so this gift signified their understanding that the life of Jesus was a pure and sacred offering to the Lord for our salvation. That it was for our salvation that he was the one that was set apart as pure, as holy, as most valuable to bring worth to our lives. And myrrh was a fragrant spice that could be used for incense but was widely used in ancient times as anointing oil. Oil held great significance in those days. In, in this case, it was used as a medicinal tonic. It was a key ingredient in the mixture of spices used to prepare bodies for burial. And additionally, myrrh was used as the main ingredient in the anointing oil used to ceremonially prepare priests. The people that would come and present sacrifices in the most holy place before God. And so what we see here is that in presenting this gift, these men were signifying that the life of Jesus was set apart for God's own purpose of our salvation, but also for our healing. Listen to this. He says, move him out the way. This one's on me. I did this. Even though he did it. And in doing that, his death and his resurrection set us apart before God as his chosen people. Now, why is this important, friend? Because as we reflect on the birth of Christ, we should consider how valuable the gift of Jesus is to us. 
we should also remember why he gave this gift to us. You see, new life, redemption, forgiveness, healing, wholeness, favor, his blessing, his grace is his gift to us. The question is, what's our gift to him? Anybody like gifts? Some of you are like, I'm not going to be that person that appears greedy, that wants the gift. Anybody want a gift this morning? Yeah? Myra, would you do us a favor? Would you open this gift? Don't be proper about it either, girl. Act, act like you like, like, like your husband gave it to you. Yeah, like, like tear it up. Yep. Uh-huh. What's the gift that you could give God? What's the one gift that you could give God that is of greatest value? Go ahead and open it. The greatest gift you could give God, my friend, is not what you do for God. It's your love and your surrender to him. Now, unless you think I'm giving you an opinion, I just want to share with you what the scripture says. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says this in the message version. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. You responded to God. You followed God. You made mistakes. But you continued to respond to God is what Paul's saying here. And he says, now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy and energy within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. You know what gives God the most pleasure? Just let me be God in your life. In the scriptures, if you study this out, check it out on your own time. I would encourage you, spend some time with your family. Just look at Matthew 2. Don't take my word for this. I'm not here to give you an opinion. Go to the scriptures and see what it tells us. What you'll find is that Herod's response to Jesus was, my kingdom, my castle, my, my, my power, my way. And if you look at what happened thereafter, he paid with his very life. He, he lost it all. But the wise men had a different response. They too were in a setting of royalty. But they said, this is valuable, but this doesn't add value to us. And so we have to go seek out this king. Can I tell you something, friends, that I know about you and me? We ascribe value to a lot of things. And sometimes we hold on to that value and we forsake what's most valuable. It's the gift of God in your You're still trucking. You're still making it. You're still standing. 
He's still working in your life. He's still restoring. He's still renewing. He's still supplying you strength. He's still providing for you. He's still leading and guiding you. He's still forgiving you. He's still helping you. Because that's his response to you and I. I'm in this for the long haul. Today as we stand and we come to a close, I want you to take a holy moment with God. We're not getting flaky here. We're not granola bars here, fruity, flaky, and nutty. We're not doing that. But what we are going to do is take a time to reflect on the truth. Here at Church the Bridge, we value the Word of God and the truth in God's Word. And so we're constantly challenged to consider, God, what are you speaking to me? God, are, are you teaching me something that I did not know? Is there something I've been missing that today you are teaching me? God, are you, are you showing me an area of error in my life, a place where I've believed incorrectly, where I've held on to a wrong attitude, a wrong mindset? God, are you showing me the right way to go, something that I didn't know was there? Are you strengthening me in an area? Or, God... Are you calling me to do something from this day forward? Are you calling me to employ this truth in a way that I never have? What I can tell you is this, friends. The wise men went after Jesus, and it blessed their lives. Mary and Joseph chose to follow the plan of God, and it turned out for their good. The, shep the shepherds in the, out, out in the fields, they followed after what God had told them, and it blessed their lives and it changed their lives. And friends, what I will say to you is that if you and I will receive the greatest gift of all and respond with our lives at a gift, as a gift, it too will bless you. It will transform you. It will make room for all that God has Just take a moment to lock in with God, whatever that looks like for you. God, we thank you for your word, Lord. Father, here we are, your children, loved by you, chosen by you, forgiven by you. Your word tells us that your mercies are new every morning, that nothing can separate us from your love, no height, no depth, no width, no length. Your word tells us that you've predestined us into good works. Father, for this we are grateful. Because you are the gift that gave, but you are the gift that continues to give. You're drawing us, Lord. Today we open our hearts. We make the decisions that we need to make. We say yes to you, Lord. We place you at the center of our lives. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. 
And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.